Welcome to She Inspires Me. I'm your host, Caroline Bruni, founder of She Inspires Me and Organize Curate Design. Launched as a Facebook passion project back in 2017, She Inspires Me has been reborn to highlight the incredible women we all encounter in our everyday lives and how we can take inspiration from them. Thanks to our key sponsor, Organise Curate Design, I welcome you to listen and get inspired as we showcase these incredible women. Welcome to another episode of She Inspires Me. Now, I'm giggling already because we've had some tech difficulties today. (laughs) We have technically recorded this episode already, but I have only got my voice on said recording. So, we are attempting (laughs) podcast number two. (laughs) Um, but I would love to welcome my dear friend, Tony Newman. Tony, welcome to the podcast. Hello again. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's really funny. Okay, so to, to be full transparency, guys, we have done this again. Like we're doing this again because we've done this before. Let's hope that we nail our answers and stuff this time. Like hopefully our jokes are just 10 times funnier than they were last recording. But um, before we jump in, I would love to introduce you to Tony. Um, I am going to get her to pronounce a word for me because I don't want to stuff it up again. But Tony Newman was born in? Aotearoa. Yep, that's it. And although she's an Australian citizen and considers Melbourne home, she will always have a very strong connection to where she was born in um, and her Maori and Chinese heritage is something she's very proud of. For those of you who don't know, Aotearoa, yes, is the Maori name for New Zealand, which I didn't know and I and I really feel like I need to practice pronu- um, pronouncing it properly, but I can't roll my R's, so that's why for sure they're different yeah, they have different body has different vowels so r e e o u instead of a e i o u yeah see tricky yeah but that's okay i i would much rather ensure that it's said properly as opposed to me butchering it and being really disrespectful now tony has loved running her own business and has recently merged in all under one banner tony and co um and for about 17 years has worn many different hats in her work life, designer, stills, motion and event producer, stylist and costume designer, working and collaborating with people from all walks of life. Outside of that, she's a mum and a partner, is mad for cats and loves nothing more than relaxing with friends and family, watching movies, cooking, gardening and rearranging furniture. Now, Tony, we're, we're second episode in, second version of this. I'm hoping your nerves have subsided. You were a bit nervous when we started recording. Yeah, version I was one. very, very nervous. I was very, very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but now we've done this already. Like, you're good to go. Yeah, I'm good to go. No day. I love a chat. And I've even that. told you you can swear. Yeah, well, now like, I know I can swear. So bring it on, baby. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. So we have been friends for a really long time and we always kind of have these, When every time we jump on the phone we have these really long chats and I'm like, we should turn this into a podcast episode, which we are doing today. So thank you so much for being a guest on She Inspires Me. I'm very honoured to actually have been asked and to be here in such amazing company, quite frankly. Mm. So we dive in to the fact that you have these two elements of your heritage. And um, can you take me back to what it was like growing up 
Um, I know you grew up in a fairly small town. Um, so did anyone even know that you had this kind of dual heritage? No. Um, look, I was, you know, born in um, a tiny little place in New Zealand, Aotearoa, um, and the place is called Mount Monganui. In fact, in fact, I was born in Tauranga Hospital um, and Mount Monganui was where I was raised and it's this tiny little dot on the map. It um, quadruples in size um, over summer because it's got a beautiful surf beach there as well. It's beautiful, beautiful place. But, you know, growing up in the 70s in a tiny little, you know, beach town, mm. it was very insular for sure, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I don't look, well, I don't think I look particularly Asian and I don't look particularly no. mouldy and so, you know, but I'm not white-skinned. So, yeah. you know, it was an unusual kind of combination. And, yeah, it was, you know, we didn't speak the language, either language at home. We just spoke English and, yeah. you know, it wasn't really made a big deal of. Um, but it, it, it kind of felt weird being right. It's weird. It was unusual because, you know, it was never, um, I never really felt kind of I belonged anywhere, you know, especially hanging out with kids at school because I was too dark to be with the white kids and then mm. not dark enough to be with the dark yep. kids and not yellow. And what, who are you? What are you? You've got this black hair but you're kind of brown. But Finding you're kind of a place to belong. You know, all that kind of stuff. And that, you know, that carried right through to, to high school and beyond. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so it was you know, who are you? <laughs> Where do you come from? Yeah. It is. Which that. is such a prominent discussion point for all of us. But I, I think we get to a certain point in our lives where we really try to hone in on that and, and try to understand who we are and where we come from and, and why we are the way we are. Um, so were there many Chinese kids in, in your school or community or was it more that? No, I don't there was always no, I don't remember actually in primary school that there were any Asian kids. Yeah, wow. I, I do. So that in itself is really confusing because you're well, kind half of Asian, yeah. but there's not really any other Asian kids to gravitate to to find the place of belonging. That's right. And, there, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of Māori kids. There were a lot of, um, you know, I guess people of mixed race. But, I mean, for example, I didn't sort of meet my first real Greek person until we moved to Adelaide when I was 15. So, you know, it wasn't like there was this really diverse mixing. Yeah, you were in this tiny little place where there were, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Um, Yeah, so it was kind of, it was kind of strange in that regard. I mean, Adelaide really opened my eyes to a lot of things, you know. I mean, the little old Adelaide, but... Yeah, little old Adelaide. When you think about it in comparison to some of the major cities in Australia, but um, so talk me through your um, like your ancestry in the sense of um, I know that there's a great great grandfather um, who yeah. has a significant place in history. He he did. So my mum's mum Ada Tuporo, she was 
Māori and my grandfather, so this is on my mum's side, and my grandfather was Chinese, Hong Sung yeah. Hong. Um, and they sort of met and um, that's kind of a beautiful story anyway, but um, they met because he had a market garden and he used to sell vegetables wow. and she started working for him and she was this big imposing, you know, big boned Māori woman and he was this tiny little cute Chinese man. Oh, my goodness. A love story. And um, and they somehow, you know, got together and had four beautiful um, girls, all of who look very Asian. Like, yeah, I've met your mum. Yeah. She does. She looks very Asian. She yep. does, and they all do. Um, and, um, yeah, so that – so but so Nana's, um, Nana's great-great-great-grandfather – he was actually mm-hmm. one of the chiefs that signed the Treaty of Waitangi, um, which is a fairly significant um, event yeah. that happened in New Zealand a long time ago, which wasn't necessarily great for Māori, mm-hmm. but um, nevertheless he was one of those chiefs. And I've always felt, I mean, I guess when I was growing up it was ne- never really made a thing of. We didn't talk about it because we didn't actually hang out. I mean, we had all the, you know, the 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 days when all the cousins would come over and mm. hang out at the beach, but we didn't really talk about the history of the yeah. family. You and know especially I mean? as a kid, like yeah, you, you don't care. Boring. Like that's like, boring as a I kid. I need to go down the beach and I'm doing this <laughs> and I'm playing with the hose. You want to hang out and play. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you're not going, yeah. tell me all about my rich cultural yeah. <laughs> no, there is no child and if there is like good on them but yeah, yeah my kids are like oh this is boring why are you telling me this yeah and I think and that's how lots of things get get forgotten and I think one day I hope to be able to go and my husband and I have talked about it so many times I mean the story of Nana and and Papa is just really quite incredible um mm. I'd love to um, you know, make something of that and, and record it. And, you know, I certainly have cousins who have really delved into the Māori side, not so much the Chinese because there are no records. Papa flipped on yeah. and there was, that was it. We don't even know how old he was really, you know. Um, yeah. But wow. certainly there is always that that um, that pull to New Zealand, um, that feeling of being part of Aotearoa, of you know, not wanting to move back there but to know more than what I did when I left, you know. Yeah, so you can pass it on. So That's right, and it becomes more important, I guess, when you have cubs of your own, you know. Yeah. I mean, Jack's so not true. really interested, but one day he will be. So Jack's 15 now. Uh, yeah, he's 14. He's 14 now yeah. and he, um, yeah, no, he still wants to just hang out and do normal stuff. Yeah, like he's like, really I don't want to know about ancestors, but he yeah. will want to know one day. And I, but I also think it would be a little bit different as well if he had his, you know, we're on our own here in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so we don't have the cousins and the everything. Mm-hmm. And I know my nieces, yeah. for example, in Sydney, their dad, so my sister's um, ex-partner, he's he's Māori and they were yeah. very into their um, culture and, and doing Māori club and stuff yeah. like that, which is what I did when I was at school, you know, yeah. sang the songs and learned the poi and, you know, did all that sort of stuff and loved it. But when you get, when you're taken out of that environment and then you go to, you know, Adelaide when you're 15, which is a shit time to move as well, FYI. Mm, yeah, um, mid teen. It's a terrible, terrible age to move. <laughs> um, you know, you sort of forget about it and then you go off and do your own thing and it only really 
became more relevant in the last sort of five, ten years as I wanted to know more because you can't, you know, and every time I go back to New Zealand, I always feel this really powerful sort of, I get to the airport, it makes me want to fucking cry right now, you know, I always oh. get a lump in my throat and I don't know yeah. what I don't know what it is. Do you, when you get there or when you have to leave to come back to Australia? When I get there. And I think yeah, right. it's just wow. this big thing. There's so much stuff tied up there that I think I do need to, you know, go back and, um, you know, and do an episode of How Fabulous about Mount Monganui because it always yeah. holds such wonderful, I don't know, something. It's, it's a, almost a visceral feeling of home. Correct. Well, last time we yeah. went there, which was um, a couple of years ago, um, we, this is another story, this is a, another time, but we found out we had another brother. <laughs> for another episode. Another episode. But we'll record another four today. <laughs> <laughs> this is on our other side. We found out we had a, a another brother from the other side and anyway, we went back for a family reunion and, um, yeah, we sort of, you know, took Jack around, who was a lot older, around to my old primary school, around to the old college where we used to go and ride to school. And I took him down the mountain, around the mountain, which is actually called Mao. Um, and it's just so beautiful, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's lovely to go back there and just kind of, you know, soak it all up. And we also went out to my nana's and papa's old house in Watarua, and that's where our sort of family are from and that was really just amazing because Mm. you know seeing that house that old house that we used to kind of play at and cousins and do all that sort of stuff was really quite emotional I have to say Mm. 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 yeah it pulls at these ancestral heartstrings that you don't actually even realize are there and that's why it's really fascinating I find when kids are like oh yeah whatever like I don't really Need to know that or whatever, but that those those ancestral heartstrings are there, like they're yeah. in all of us, and yeah. it's incredibly important um, to kind of know that we've still got that the strings are still connected because Correct. it's when we don't share stories and we don't document things and we don't capture that information that it can kind of get lost yeah. as generations continue. Yeah. Um, For real. So I know that this year you and I have had some lengthy conversations about some of the things that have really been brought to light. So I, um, for anyone that's listening that kind of follows me or us on Organised Curate Design social media, um, I shared during um, the kind of, I shouldn't say the peak of Black Lives Matter because it just, it hasn't, it's not going to stop and it's, it's, but we saw a peak this year after George Floyd's murder um, and I shared on my socials just a bit of a a video about how I consciously have or no sorry subconsciously had kind of avoided conversations or sharing things with friends about the racism I had experienced and and Mm -hmm. I realized that in trying to not make people uncomfortable I had hidden this whole part of society that even I experienced and Mm. and you were you were one of the first people to call me and I I really appreciated you just reaching out and saying hey I'm here and and I've got your back and I'm walking with you and and we've we've got to make change together um but then I know when we spoke you said something to me that I kind of went oh god because I guess when we hear these stories we're like oh that's horrible Mm. um but you shared that you as a, a half Chinese woman, people say to you, oh, 
you know, oh, bloody Asians or Asian drivers or yeah, just is- what is classed as casual racism, which we know is microaggressions and just standard racism. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's ignorance really and it happens mm. because, you know, I've been thinking about this, I don't look particularly Asian and, no. you know, my grandfather was full Asian, which makes me, you know, a lot diluted. But I'm, I, yeah. just, you know, you don't go. I don't sort of still feel part like of your heritage culture or whatever. You, yeah, I'm, yeah, totally. You no, know, you're Asian or you're Maori or not. Like it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. And and so because I don't look it, and this is this mm-hmm. never judge a book by the cover. I don't look any particular way. Um, I think when I'm in, especially in a social situation when you haven't met someone before, it crops up all the time. Um, mm. And people, you know, there'll be there will be literally a casual, off-handed kind of, oh, must be, must be Chinese, must be from China, and it's in it's done yeah. in a derogatory way, or they'll say, oh, bloody Chinese, or you know, bloody Indian, or bloody, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, and yeah, whatever, whatever nationality or culture that they're they're putting down in there. Correct, yep. and it's it's just fucking wrong like you can't Mm. be you can't be a little bit racist you can't no you know it is what it is and Mm. and I think that I in the past have kind of been so taken aback and usually you know especially since I met my husband he would always you know jump in and go you know if that sort of that was starting to take the conversation was starting to go that way he would jump in before I would have the chance to go there because yeah. I would want to go, blah, blah, blah. he would come, mm. yes, and Tony's Chinese. And they're like, oh, I'm not, and not it, more Chinese, not, yeah. not that. And you're like, well, fucking what, what sort of Chinese yeah. are you talking Yeah, about? exactly. Like, like stop making it. excuses just because now you have to face it because I'm here yeah. and I'm in front of you. Exactly. And you've said it to my face. Exactly. Um, and, and, and if you'd said that to my son or my grandfather or my mother, and mum has actually been spat at before. I remember when we first oh. came to Adelaide. We were sitting outside Kmart actually, um, and I, that was where I nearly got lost in Kmart because that was, you know, this big, <laughs> this big shopping. <laughs> the joys of being a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember her being spat at and just going, "What?" The? And he, he said, uh, "You know, fucking Asian." And I yeah. Thought, what? I it's terrifying. Know. Like that just almost gives me chills. Oh, it's just horrible. knowing. But knowing that that stuff still happens today, like uh, like that's the bit that gives me chills. Yeah, it's not children, you don't you you don't you're not born being racist. That is learned no. behaviour. And when you're young, yep. ignorance. When you're yep. older, you've learned that, and you're yeah. living with it. You know. Yeah, you're and it's up to all of us to have these discussions, to call things out, and and good on your husband for utilising his middle-aged white man status because that's what he is because they they have the biggest voices and and the most power and and Mm -hmm. it good on him for speaking up and and doing that and I'm sure like it's a fine line I'm a bit like that with my husband I'm like please stop fighting my battles because I don't need you to do that but at the same time I really appreciate the fact yeah absolutely well that's just it's you know that support I mean he would do that for anything he would do that yeah if it wasn't me if it was somebody else but you know he Mm -hmm. certainly doesn't think I can't fight my own battles but um and I certainly will will say something now I think when I was younger I would just be quite yeah because you don't want to rock the boat yeah you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable but you know again you get 
older and as it becomes more important because I would hate to think that, you know, my son would have somebody say something to him about the colour of his skin or, you mm. know, whatever he, cho- you know, yeah, anything like that. You've got to be able to say something and, and call it out and call it what it is, you know. Yeah, definitely. And and that's really what this comes down to. It's you've got to be okay with being uncomfortable because it's the only way we make change. Like the only way we can call things out and and bring people along for the ride. So it's one thing to call someone out and just go, you need to go sit in the corner because you're a racist. Like that's, they're not going to change. Nothing's going to get better if you're just constantly shaming people and making them feel terrible and trying to push them out of our society. Mm -hmm. It's about making them understand that, that behaviour, those words um, and that mentality is really detrimental and if we can shift that, then we can all work together to walk together as opposed to just putting all these people in outside outside of the space because we just want to disregard them. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's work. It's yeah. just work. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's about so, mm. Speaking of uncomfortable... I've been um, having this conversation with you a bit about this point in time that happens when you are a woman and you hit a certain age range. Now, I have heard this kind of, I call it a concept, but it's not a concept because it's actually happening. Um, I've heard about this from different podcasts I've listened to and, and I guess it explores the fact that women get to a certain age where they in some ways become a bit invisible. They're no longer early 20s or even late teens where they're attractive to the man's gaze, for, for lack of better terms. Um, they're, they're a bit of a commodity still. Um, and I remember listening to this podcast where this woman was like, oh, I used to get catcalled walking past construction sites. Very cliche, obviously, example. but And she was like, oh, I don't get catcalled anymore. And she thought that that was like feminism doing its job. And then she realized that her 13-year-old daughter was getting catcalled and she was like, oh, crap, feminist hasn't done its job yet. This is just I'm I'm becoming invisible. I'm no longer... Mm. at that age anymore and she mm. hit kind of mid-40s or late-40s or whatever else. Mm. Um, and I know you and I had a really interesting conversation about this over the phone um, a little while ago and and we're about 10 years apart in age, so I'm looking to you in all your wisdom to tell me what's coming. <laughs> what's coming next, Tony? What do I need to prepare myself for? Uh, look, I've, you know, I've just turned 49 and I think it's a really wonderful age, you know. I do. I don't feel um, like I want to lie about my age. I, think, I just don't think I ever have. I think I forgot my age once. I, I <laughs> I've forgotten my age. I thought, oh, so busy, what? Um, but it's, yep. a, it's a great age to be. Um, but there is definitely, you know, a time between 40 and now where you're not a young 20-year-old swing mm. happening and gorgeous and all tight and taunt and yeah. not 30, um, you're kind of moving into this stage of being, and it's not older because it's still only 40, I mean, fuck, um, mm. but, you know, people, society sees you as an older woman yeah. So you've probably had children. And it's I, so ridiculous. Like uh, you're only in your 40s. Crazy. Come on, people. Crazy. It's, it's oh, crazy. But, again, you know, this is up to us to say, fuck you. 
yeah, yep. I'm 40 and I own it and yeah. I'm doing all this stuff. And yes, I'm a mom and a partner and a friend and a business owner and did yep. all, all my titles. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I've my, you know, my, my hair and my body are doing different things than they mm. do did when I were 20. Um, yeah. But, you know, I still have a lot to offer. In fact, more, you know, and yeah. I think that's really sad that society does look at women and especially when, you know, between 40 and say 55, you know, a lot mm. of women are going through perimenopause on the on the way yep. to menopause and they're yep. going through this fucking horrendous, um, you know, barrage of hormones and mm. awful physical um, symptoms and mental symptoms and all that kind of stuff and they're getting up and they're raising their kids and they're going to work and they're doing all these things and not and it's like oh shh she's just a bit cranky she's a bit shitty and da, 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 da. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah she's cranky because she's going through menopause and she's still educated and has lived 40 plus years and exactly. and she should still have a voice because absolutely she, just because she's not 20 and attractive to the yeah, well, like you know in this way of like that we put yeah. on women like this, yeah. this window it's of time where they're at that peak so and that's it whatever it needs to be and that's the yeah. I think that's the key is about accepting yourself who for who you are mm. and really delving into what you are offering so I know I'm a great mom I know I'm a good partner I know I'm a good friend I know I'm really fucking good at my job and I mm. love what I do and I bring passion to it. What I look like on the outside is no one's business but mine. I dress how I yeah. dress. I don't dress for anybody else. And, yeah. and you know, that's that's important to me and, you know, don't dare bring my age into it, you know. Mm. I bring it life experience and, um, you know, a different wisdom. That's not to say I don't love collaborating with you know, young students and younger people. Yeah, of it shouldn't course. be about age, but it certainly is. And I think society, we all need to just get over the fact that, you know, we shouldn't make women feel invisible, but also we need to own, we need to, we need to say, I'm not invis- invisible. Yeah. You know, we need to say that. We need to go, yeah. you know, what we're doing is amazing and support each other as well mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. none of us are in competition with anybody else apart from ourselves yeah and I'm so not in, in competition with a 20 year old or a 30 year old or a 40 year yeah. old because the competition is just different anyway like you you literally can't compete with someone that's in their 20s or in their 60s because they're just we're, we've all got completely different skills so yeah, competing with yourself is is the safest bet yeah, well, it has to be all about that because it's about doing better for you. It's not about, mm. you know, worrying about what other people are doing. So I think that, um, you know, accepting and feeling, you know, or trying your best to feel content with who you are helps because mm-hmm. there's so many things that are going on in your 40s and, you know, and, and the beginning of the 40s are quite different from the end of the, you know, your yeah. late 40s as well. There was that, that's really quite different. But I think the key is, you know, as well, not focusing on the surface shit. You know, mm. uh, we do, our faces get different, our bodies get different, um, lots of things get different. And the best thing is our fucking our attitude gets different because that's, yeah. that's that kind of, yeah, 
I don't care. I don't care about what you think. That's okay. Yeah. You know, I, it, it doesn't it doesn't worry me if you feel mm-hmm. a particular way because I'm good. You know, yeah. I'm not judged on, and you shouldn't be judged on how you look or your age or whatever it is. It's how you do the mm-hmm. job. It's the person you are inside. You know, it's it's that I think anyway. That's I love it to look for it. I absolutely love that. Well, there are probably women listening that are in that age range or are about to hit it, and to know that that is the mindset that they can choose to be in because it's all choice. Um, that's a really great way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. So you are by far one of the most creative friends that I have, and you you just blow my mind. <laughs> some of the things you can do. Um, but you've had this really established career at, that has spanned a very long time. So when did you dive into this kind of creative element and um, and then how have you decided to merge it all um, into one brand that is Tony & Co? So how did it all begin? Well, it, it's been going for, you know, a lot, I guess a long time. Um, I started out, you know, 30 I'm 48, so it would have been like 30, 48, yeah, 30 years ago. I keep saying 20, but it's actually like 10 years is just kind of caught up. So about 30 years ago um, Mm. I started sort of dabbling in advertising and and I had a lot of jobs before that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. hospitality, door bitch, you know, slave. All the things. all, All of the stuff, anything you could do. And then I sort of fluked getting a job in an advertising agency um, as a receptionist, and that really opened my eyes to what they do there, and in particular production. And so I kind of got out of that and I worked my way through and around the ranks doing, um, uh, you know, audio production and talent casting and um, on-set, you know, runner and all sorts of stuff. And I just looked and learned, you know, I'm a very visual learner and um, I've always sort of volunteered for things and I think working hard you you just pick up things, you know, and you ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I had some very amazing people along the way who were generous with their time and their knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. I always like to try and pass that on as well. And so I kind of just I, I was working at a really big agency, one of the big advertising agencies, agencies as a producer and six of us actually got made redundant because we lost a one of the major campaigns and major clients and so that was back in the days when they wrote a check out and said there you go get your stuff <laughs> pick up your stuff yeah pick up time stuff, to leave the check um you gotta go so six of us left crying going oh fuck now what are we gonna do yeah so i thought being oh, made redundant is, is such a challenging thing oh, i don't gosh. think yeah, people yeah. really understand how Full on it can be. It was yeah. so full on. But it was the b- best thing that ever happened because it made me mm. out my own production company. And yeah, wow. um, I just literally traipsed around with my big folio to all of the people I'd ever met in my whole life, went, okay, so this is what I'm doing now, this is what I'm doing now. Yep. And I fluked getting someone gave me a referral or gave my name to Nike in New York that were coming out yeah, wow. in Melbourne and they needed everything done. And I shit myself and thought oh my god how am I going to get this done this is just me the mum from the suburbs I'm like oh and it and it was amazing and I loved it and so I'm not even surprised I've seen you pull some serious magic out of a hat so yeah 
It was it was a lot of fun though. It was a, a lot of fun, and so it just kind of snowballed. And then you know, so I started doing not just producing, but um, casting the talent myself and styling mm-hmm. and doing sets and all that sort of stuff because budgets, you know. So I'd yeah. recast and find people, and you know, I got a lot of um, good brands on board. I did Chandon and Casino and lots of government jobs. Yeah, cool. And, Sexy stuff and really unsexy stuff as well. So anything. Yeah, just normal stuff because advertising is everything. It's everything. It's not just, you know, gorgeous fashion. But I did do 13 years of (laughs) country road kids shoots and that was interesting. Um, And then I sort of about four years ago decided I wanted to um, not just do advertising production but I wanted to um, help personal private clients with homes and personal styling so I thought I'm going to start up the styling business so I did that and that snowballed really quickly as well and it became sort of commercial um, projects as well so I did L'Oreal head office and that was another fluke so all these beautiful people along the way they're not flukes babe come on (laughs) like you've got this it was surely at 49, you can stop saying you fluked it and you can be like, I own that because I'm bloody good at what I do and that's why people refer me to clients. Come on, if we can just do one thing in this episode, we can yeah. stop you from saying I just did or I fluked. Come on. <laughs> but I have beautiful people that actually put my name in the hat yeah, and that's very cool. So that's, you know, I yeah. think that's a really wonderful thing as well that people are so willing to you know say hey have you thought about tony be good advocates yeah and be really good advocates and that and that has been a wonderful thing and so yeah yeah, so i did that and that sort of snowballed and then i sort of got an affiliation with maya and so i started doing events with them and Mm -hmm. and you know I, I believe that I've had two of your sons. Um, you have had my children. Modelling. And, and I wasn't there because I was overseas at the time. Yeah. Yeah, my boys have um, have walked the runway for oh, Maya, courtesy of Tony. Love them. Which is so cute, super cute. Awesome. Um, and then you um, also worked on a TV show recently, twice. Y- yeah, so the, the kind of... So the advertising was still happening. So I was still producing advertising campaigns and then the styling was sort of running concurrently um, and still is. But then I sort of got a gig with uh, doing costume design for a TV show which ended up getting onto Netflix Um, and very funny. It's called Rostered On and written by uh, a very clever um, man that I met through producing an advertising campaign and needed a great funny director and said someone referred him to me and so we worked together and he said, hey, why don't you come on board, which is always, you know, I've found in my career how this happens, you know, you do one job yeah, and talk to that. Definitely. You know, it's beautiful. And so he wrote the show and he did season one and and they just, you know, cobbled together stuff and it was, you know, amazing. And then they got funding to do season two. So I worked on season two with a, an awesome crew, and now he's written another show. Um, well, he's written the entire series or season, but we're just making the pilot. So that's called My Friend Anxiety, um, mm-hmm. and it is a comedy. It's very, very cleverly written. Um, so I'm doing costume and art department for that at the moment, so that's kind of cool. So I like, I guess I kind of, you know, you know, how did it, 
how did they blend? I was trying, which, you know, you and I have talked about this before. I was trying to keep the advertising production and that world separate from the styling and the design and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, every time I would do an you know, an advertising production job, I'd be involved in the casting and the styling and the da 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 So you come at it with not only managing budgets and details and and that kind of thing and people but also making it look and feel good and the same with the design projects I always come at you know whether it's a space or or a person or whatever it might be or an event with a producer's hat on so you know you're always managing a budget the timing the details of it so, you know, I woke up one morning, I think it was literally one morning, and I thought, fuck, stop being such a dick, Tony. Like, get it together, like, put them together. Get the quote of the pod. Yeah. You know, don't be a dick. Don't. Stop complicating things. Exactly. Just remember that you are the talent, and therefore, whatever it is, you can just put it under one umbrella. Correct. And in your case, it's Tony and Co. And I think that, again, was an age thing. And I really felt, I felt genuinely comfortable saying, you know what, I am a producer, but I'm also a creator. And that's end of story. So I bring they're the skills I bring to each project, no matter what mm-hmm. it is. And that's yep. why I've been lucky enough to work across lots of different industries and projects because it is so tightly bound together. So there's the hot tip. Don't be a dick. And don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick and <laughs> hot <don't>. tip. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so true though. And it's funny. I am actually thinking as you're saying that, I'm like, hmm, that's what I'm currently doing. I'm currently doing that in my business also because I have a team and, and there's our business organized curate design, but then I have kind of my own personal brand stuff. And then I started painting and that's a whole nother thing. And I'm like, oh, but they don't really intertwine quite as much as your stuff does. So I'm going to keep being a dick for a bit longer. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I might change my mind and put it all under one banner. One day. You can tell me, oh, you've learned not to be a dick anymore. And I'll be like, yep, cool. <laughs> we got there in the end. Maybe I have to wait till I'm in my 40s. That's fine. Maybe. I'll, I can wait. Maybe. And you'll find a thread. <laughs> that's the thing, finding the thread. And then one day you'll go, Oh, that is it. Yeah. Damn it. But right now I think I'm the only thread. So um which is fine. Maybe that's what it is. But we will circle back to this in a couple of years' time when I hit my forties and see, see how I'm going. Oh, I'll, I'll be here listening to it. Mm. Yeah, we will do another episode or something. It'll be pretty funny. <laughs> now, um, I know that you have done obviously lots of styling. Now, for those of you who will have no idea. One of the other things I do sometimes in my spare time is I I um I model for lack of better words. You're a I don't even know model. what I call it. I feel weird saying it like that because it sounds like it sounds because I'm definitely not a supermodel. Um, oh but I'm a, I'm a human model. Yeah. And that- I'm just a human model. Like I'm just a person, like of all shapes and sizes, like that's the way it's supposed to be in advertising. And Tony um, was the stylist on my shoot, my portfolio shoot, which is amazing. But I know that you have been working with women, just women that don't want to be models, women that just want to be like themselves and bring out their best in themselves. So when it comes to the women, uh, when it comes to women in general, what is the thing that you think women really need to kind of think about when it comes to styling themselves or their spaces. What 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 do you think they get stuck on that they 
kind of need to let go of? I, I think that, well, first of all, I'm going to just start by saying you're an amazing model and <laughs> and a real person and that is what it is. It's very rare that someone actually goes about making their money out of being a clothes whore. Yeah. Like there is that. Yeah. Anyone that's been on the Business Victoria website or the Coles website is like, wait, is that Caroline? I'm like, yep, yep. that's me. That's you. Being a real person. Exactly. And and that's why I love, you know, helping people of all shapes and sizes and ages. It's, it's amazing. And and you are very good at it. You've got a very interesting look and, um, you know, we had a lot of fun doing it. I mean, that's what it's about. That's why I sort of also you know, advertising is one thing, doing a shoot and casting and dressing those people, but doing the real people is where I, that's the, that's, that's what yeah, I love. That's where the heart is. Because it's, it's more, it's, it is actual genuine connection. Not that we don't have fun on advertising shoots, but, you know, being able to dress you was, was, was fantastic, you know, and getting so to know fun. you more was. We need to do that again. Oh, we, Just totally, so we totally need to do that again. I love it. Okay. That's a thing. Let's um, totally do that 2021 or do another shoot. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll get that. Yeah. All good. Um, but I think women in particular get stuck on dressing and pleasing um, or trying to please other people in how they dress. Mm-hmm. I think we really, really do. And I think the thing is don't dress for anybody else. Dress for you. And mm-hmm. really think about how something makes you feel, not just how it makes you look but how it makes you feel. And that is that is key for me because mm. you know I don't uh, you know I'm a I'm a very thrifty shopper and that goes with mm. homewares as well as clothing. I don't think you need to be spending a lot. It's not and my mother taught me this. It's not what you wear; it's how you wear it. Yeah. And fashion or style. It, so for me, it's more about finding your style rather than being mm-hmm. in fashion. Definitely. Yeah. And so yeah. if you're trying to please your husband, your friends, your whatever it is, or be in fashion, that usually doesn't work. It's about finding your own groove and 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 taking a few risks and and just trying stuff on. Just try stuff on that you would not normally have, you know, um, chosen before yeah. you know oh I only wear black because it makes me look thinner I don't know how many times I've heard that and you know then we end up putting beautiful vivid vibrant colors on somebody and different mm-hmm. materials and it just makes them look and, and feel so much different yeah. different and I love that and I think that that's the thing and they're like, oh, I would never have worn that well you wouldn't because you know there was this kind of fear holding you back of I was always told that black's going to make me look skinny and all the rules, the telling us rules. the rules. Yeah, and dress your age. Well, that's a load of bullshit. You know, yeah. I don't care how people, I don't care if people don't like the way I dress because I dress the way I dress. And, you know, when people yeah. go, oh, you know, when you hit 45, you shouldn't wear short things and you shouldn't wear this. You can show your knees. I mean, what the? What Man, someone told me what I was allowed to wear at any age because I've always been pretty feisty like that. I'm like, are you for real? Don't tell me what to do. Yeah, negative, negative, <laughs> negative. I don't like that. Um, mm. So it's about that and and just experimenting. But definitely the main one is is don't dress for anybody else. Dress for yourself Yeah, okay? and feel comfortable. Um, yeah, and- yeah, that's so totally true. Yeah. I'm way too old to Com- not be comfortable. Practicality is I always weave that into 
my personal clients styling unless it's for an mm. event or and they they say we don't yeah, of course like that those shoes are but as if we're going to get around in stilettos all day that's just not me no you know so, so no um, Unless you like that and you're comfortable, then then you totally absolutely. rock the stilettos. If you want to wear them to Coles, wear them to Coles if that's your jam. Correct. Because um, there's no rules. That's it. Do that's whatever you damn well please so that's as long as you feel good and you're dressing for yourself. Now, what about space? Um, so, yes, so I've always seen space as a really sensory experience, um, but what do people need to think about when they're maybe looking at changing a space in their home? So I always look at um, when I walk into a space, how does that make me feel? And I look at the colour, the lighting, absolutely. Lighting can just change a space Mm -hmm. dramatically and provide ambience and warmth, Um, textures and also plants, always, always, always plants. Even in offices, I'll do plants, absolutely, 100%. Fake and, or good fake, oh, my God, I only ever use good fake. Um, yeah. real. There are some amazing fake plants out there. Oh, absolutely. And really there's some ones, but there's some amazing ones. So that yeah. like ambience and the smell as well. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, and I think, again, rules, I mean, some people think you have to, you know, if you've got a small room, you've got to push all the furniture right back to the, you know, walls to make it feel bigger. That's actually not true. Um, mm. Creating... A place that feels cozy and and you know I'm not a a, a real estate stylist which is all about yeah. taking personality out I'm about making a house a home with all the personal things that come with it and identifying you know who's in that space it's not trying to be set up like a display home people live there they've mm. got shit that you know stuff that's around so mm. photos mm. and things like that so you know creating those little pods I guess those little spaces those areas um of of personality and 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 that feel warm and feel cozy and make you want to be there that doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to make it bigger you you know Mm. often it's about bringing everything in and just those little tweaks with furniture and adding rugs and things like that but lighting is a really 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 big thing for me um and you don't need to spend a lot on well, anything. Yeah. You don't need to spend a lot on lighting. It can be just lamps. It can be Kmart lamps. It can yeah. Be, you know, whatever. But, but, but smell as well. I'm, I, I like um, candles yeah. and. So that's all the senses that that you've just mentioned. It's the textures. It's the colours. Yeah. It's the smells. It's the. It's definitely the lighting and the temperature as well. I assume, especially yeah, for us sure. in Melbourne, who are like freezing today because it's a cold day today in Melbourne when we're recording. Absolutely. So it's not just you know. It, for me, it's not just about a look. It is always about mm. the feel and it's always about yeah. you're not trying to create just a look. You're creating a feeling and that's with mm-hmm. clothes, that's with a space, that's with an event, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is all about, and I, you know, my creative process always breaks down that way. You know, yes, yeah. it's about a look and colour and visual and everything, but how is that going to feel? How how do people feel when they walk into that space or that event? Mm. You know, I want them to look there, there, there and feel this and that and that's and it, everything just kind of flows on from there. So, um, yeah, get a lamp for sure. Love it. Mm, mm. Absolutely love that. Um, so you mentioned 
the um my friend anxiety which is the the tv show that or the pilot that you're working on um but uh what other projects are on the horizon as we enter 2021 and and wrap up this crazy year oh this has been very crazy um well i've got a couple of things booked in for next year um home styling projects which is really nice and helping a family Mm. set up their new new space and uh filming but um, I've got a couple of bigger interior design projects on at the moment. One's um, uh, a new build. It's a, uh, a holiday home down near Warrnambool and I'm working with Lovely. a builder to uh, specify the materials and um, do that kind of stuff and the furniture with the client. So that's that's going to look beautiful. Um, and I've got another renovation project that's happening Um it's a big renovation. I mean, they're doing a lot of the work, as well as mm. the grunt work, but I'm helping them with the interior design. So I've come up with a new look and feel and materials and stuff. So that's fun. Um, and, um, oh, yeah, I forgot. How could I forget because I'm going on Thursday. There's a store that I'm, I'm setting up for a lovely lady who um, has decided to follow her dream and set up a mm. homeware store in a country town, which is very cool, very cool. Um, so we're doing that and finishing off that. And she opens her store wow. on Saturday actually, so that's kind of cool. That's such a diverse range of things because I know you're working with like individuals for styling as well. And so say Tony and Co does, <laughs> it, all. does it all. Yeah, I love it. And she's and not it's- a dick about it either because it's all just under one name. That's right. That's right. And there's a couple of um, uh, big events that will be happening, you know, as restrictions ease, COVID restrictions ease yeah, for Maya next year, there will be some bigger events and things like that, which I'm oh, sure I'll be talking to you about that later too as well, Caroline. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so it's kind of that and then just sort of, you know, dealing with, um, not dealing with, but um, making time to to be hanging out with my beautiful son and family yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And your awesome husband. And next year there'll be a, um, I started a little thing. I don't know where it's going to lead, but it's a thing called um, How Fabulous. And mm. that came about because um, in my sort of travels and in the different sort of projects I'd worked on, there was all these sort of beautiful connections along the way and I'd meet like real people, and you go, oh, yeah, you're a housewife? And they go, oh, actually, I danced at Rio Carnival. And I went, what? Because there's always a story. Always a Everyone story. has a story. Yeah, and, I, I mean, you know, my thing to say is, you know, how fabulous. I can't believe that, you know. so It is things, such a catchphrase of yours. It is. So and so I thought, well, that makes sense. So it's about, you know, fabulous people, places, things that I enjoy that, that, that inspire me that, you know, I think, wow, you shouldn't be quiet about that. Let's let's celebrate and talk about it. And it's, you know, it might, I'd love to sort of do, I think it'll probably turn into some kind of, you know, probably online show or something like that. But yeah, it'll be something. It'll be something. Yeah, definitely video, definitely an, a visual element, a visual I think, thing. is totally your jam. So I can I can definitely see that. Yeah. Well, that sounds super exciting. We will make sure that all of your um, social media handles and um, projects and bits and pieces are in the show notes as well as the TV shows. So if anyone's looking for some Netflix to binge on, rostered on, definitely, um, and then looking out for the pilot, um, My Friend Anxiety, which Tony has um 
has been working on as well. So we're going to wrap up with my last question. Um, who inspires you and why? Um, so my sister, I have a sister called Donna. She's a couple of years older and um, she very much inspires me. She's um, she's a single mother with two daughters. She's done an incredible mm-hmm. job of raising them um, and is just one of the hardest workers you'll ever meet. Her work ethic is, I mean, it's in our DNA just to work hard and do stuff. Yeah. She's, she's awesome and she's been She's one of my biggest champions, cheerleaders, mm. you know. If ever, if ever I get stuck, you know, I'm on the phone to DK. Oh, my God. And she's just like a, such a cool friend to everybody and I wish she lived here, mm. you know, all of that. So she inspires me. And Shout out to Donna. Make sure she listens at like 52 minutes. Just go, oh, <laughs> told everyone how awesome you are. <laughs> you can listen to the rest if you want to hear about me, but if you want to hear about how awesome you are, check it out at this point in time. Yes, look forward. But, yeah, no, she's, a, she's an awesome, awesome chink. Um, and my husband and my son, they inspire me. They're just awesome people um, mm. and they inspire me, I guess, to to be you know, a good person, as good a person as I can be every day. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, Phil yeah. Phil is, you know, I said it before, if, if even if I wasn't married to him, I think he was still a really awesome person. So I think that's a good thing. And my son yeah, is, definitely. is, and I feel very proud of my son. So they inspire me all the time. But I think as well, um, genuine people that you know, that are truthful and show integrity. That's what inspires me these days. Yeah. That, you know, that genuine connection you you get when you meet people who are just, you know, they just say it how it is. There's no bullshit. There's no other agenda. They're not trying to, you know, climb on your head to get, you know what I mean, all of that sort of stuff. That, that yeah, happen. yeah. And, and I think when you meet someone like that, you go, yeah, you just, you know, you're just a really good person. So that inspires yeah. me and that just always brings me back to, you know, do treat people how you want to get get stuff back because mm-hmm. if you're being a dick, you'll get dick back in that way. <laughs> Love it. Mic drop. That's it. Just drop the mic. We're done. Yeah, we're done. I'm, I'm looking at that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, we've had a funny morning with a dual episode recording, but it means that we got to practice. Totally nailed it the second time. Um, thank you for um, being a guest. And to those of you who are listening, um, you can connect with Tony. As I said, we'll make sure that all of her details are in the show notes. This is our second last episode for 2020. So tune in next week. Um for our last episode um and then we are well I am in the process of doing all my research for some absolutely incredible episodes in the future for 2021 as well so thank you again Tony it has been a pleasure and um to our listeners thank you for tuning in and we will speak to you again soon thank you for joining us today and being a part of this incredible community Remember to hit subscribe and join us in our next episode to be inspired by more exceptional women.